Chin Tay is a senior program manager currently leading the London Mayor's Digital Talent Program, a £7 million investment in London's tech talent pipeline created to upskill young Londoners and bridge employers' demand for digital talent. Previously, Chin had led Design for Europe, a flagship £3.2 million European design innovation program created with utilising design as a tool to drive innovation and growth across the EU. Paychin has managed a high-profile portfolio of enterprise and employability projects for the University of Arts London and the Singapore National Government. A specialist in digital and public sector transformation, Paychin is deeply passionate about driving change and creating a lasting social economic impact through employability and skills. It's worth noting that the views of this particular episode do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of the Greater London Authority. It's great that Paging can share her personal views on the City of London and how our employability and skills is crucial to our development as we move forward during the pandemic. Hi Paging, welcome to the Building Future Cities podcast. It's great to have you here. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Andre, for giving me this opportunity to share my views. Your views are going to be really interesting given your background. And, you know, as we go straight into it, my first question is, what role does employability and skills play in the future city's space? For this podcast, we really wanted to think differently about the city and speak to employability. So tell us a little bit more about that. Skills and human capital development are pivotal to any business, community, and the wider economy. On the personal level, it's about having a livelihood and an intrinsic sense of purpose. On the societal level, it brings people together and businesses to thrive. And on the macroeconomic level, it is essential towards ensuring productivity and creating social economic value. We have seen as a result of COVID um, how a skilled workforce is fundamental towards playing a role in shaping and supporting the economy. The pandemic has threatened the livelihoods of many people and unemployment rates have gone up in many countries. Therefore, it is more important than ever to ensure that we have the right skills for now, as well as the future, to ensure our productivity and competitive edge. Training and continuing professional development, or CPD, are really essential not only to protect jobs for today, but also to get people into better and more fulfilling jobs in the future. It has been estimated that the adoption of digital and AI technologies will require most workers to upskill or to reskill, and up to 14% of people globally might need to change occupations in about 10 years' time. And this figure could climb to more than 30% in more advanced economies that has a faster pace of automation. And I think that um, probably because I come from Singapore, that I've become really passionate about skills development. As you might know, Singapore is a small city state without much uh, natural resources. Uh, We even have to buy our water supply from other countries. And the government invests heavily in skills development throughout all ages. In school, there's a really strong emphasis on academic achievements and in the workplace, uh, CPD. And um, interestingly, when Singapore's senior minister, Thaman, was asked whether he believed in the idea of a safety net, um, i.e. a social welfare system, he replied rather wittily that uh, he believed in the notion of a trampoline. 
and that providing help for people who are willing to work hard and investment in skills is definitely an important trampoline. Thank you, Paige. And it's really interesting to hear your perspective on you know, skills development within the future cities space and the fact that 30% of people will need to change their jobs because roles are being automated. We're seeing that coming to sharp focus right now. So thank you for pro providing that information. What's really interesting about your background is you've lived and worked in Singapore and London. So Singapore's often held up as the great example of a smart city at work. How do you view smart cities? What have you learned from living in Singapore and London? It's, it's been really interesting to have uh, the experience both uh, working and living in these two countries. I think uh, smart cities are inextricably linked uh, to digital technologies, whether it's at home, you know, in your workplace, your public infrastructure, um, organizational and governance models, um, etc. I think uh, what Singapore and London have in common are that they are two very attractive global cities. They are home to innovative tech startups, and that's been really significant public and private investment to make that happen. You know, through tax reliefs, um, attraction of global talent, and so on. There are a lot of factors that go into placemaking um, and, and creating a hub for digital innovation. And for example, in Singapore, there's a really ambitious um, smart nation strategy that sets out the digital transformation of the business, people and government. And at the heart of it is not data, it is not technology, it is people. It is about people and the skills they possess that form the foundation of the digital economy. And when I try to connect this to my work um, in London's government, uh, we look at various ways to support young people by inspiring them to enter into digital roles and digitally upskilling them, equipping them with employability or soft skills, um, IT equipment, connecting them to relevant networks, um, etc. And this is a key component of the Smarter London Together strategy, which is London's uh, roadmap to become the smartest city um, in the world. And I think when we talk about smart cities, uh, we often link it to, you know, digital technologies and data. But really, uh, I, I feel like it has to come back to people and technology is the tool that helps to make that happen. What the pandemic's also made us think about is how, unfortunately, it has affected people disproportionately. So people who can work in the office, etc., who may be using more IT systems, working online, using emails, Zoom calls like we're doing right now are continuing to work. And then people who have to go on the front line, et cetera, and whose jobs that you even speak about that potentially at risk of automation. This is front and center to how we build London and other cities as we move forward. So, so thank you for that insight into what local and London government is doing. Why was the Mayor's Digital Talent Program developed? Um, it was developed uh, primarily because uh, London, like many global cities, are facing the challenge of tech talent shortage. Um, the program was developed as a direct response to the mayor's manifesto to take tech to the next level. As we know, London is a tech capital of Europe by the size, level of investment, and the presence of more than a third of Europe's billion dollar unicorn uh, companies. And it has been estimated that in 10 years time, 
90% of all jobs will include some form of digitization. Mm -hmm. So whether you're a high street retailer or you work in advanced manufacturing, digital skills will only become more and more important at every level. And as you uh, rightly point out, Andre, due to COVID, there's been an urgent need to digitally uh, transform and equip uh, workers. And therefore, this is something that will only become more and more important and urgent. And what we have also seen is that uh, jobs that require digital skills command higher salaries on average, with the premium increasing at higher skills level. So this presents a really lucrative opportunity for a lot of our workers. However, the, although tech jobs are good for workers and good for the economy, the opportunities are not accessible to everyone. 58% of London startups say that the lack of supply of highly skilled tech workers is one of their main challenges. And precisely, this is one of the things that we wanted to address um, in the program. There is also an important uh, gender and ethnic uh, imbalance in the sector that we're trying to um, address. So, for example, 17% of tech or ICT workers in the UK are female, although there's about 50% uh, obviously female uh, you know, in the wider population. And uh, BAME employees account for just 15% of digital tech workers. Um, so this is something that uh, is a big barrier to a lot of people. And we want to make sure that these digital opportunities are there for everyone and not just to a, to a select few. Through the program, we wanted to increase the digital skills and employment opportunities uh, for Londoners as well as uh, for businesses in order to plug the gap in the industry so that London's economy may continue to thrive. It's, it's so important to talk about how ethnic minorities are, or the statistics say, failing to acquire these digital skills that are um, required for the future. And I know there are a number of initiatives alongside the government which is looking at this specifically. And it really, I think, when we think about how this relates to the city, for me at least, it, it really gets me thinking about a city that is inclusive and works for all is one that is designed by the people that are actually from that city and those neighborhoods and, and reflective in the technology and how it's used and how citizens engage with it. And for me, this is something really close to my heart and it's really good to see that you're working on this. How will the Mayor's Digital Talent Programme adapt to the shifts in the labour market that we're experiencing right now during COVID-19 in the UK? So digitization will play a really key role in the economic recovery um, in the so-called new normal. Um, it will help to increase productivity, encourage innovation and so on. And investment in digital skills, um, capabilities and infrastructure has never been more urgent. What we have seen uh, is evidence of how COVID-19 has aggravated inequalities in the country, very uh, apparently in the UK and also in the US, where it has disproportionately uh, affected certain racial and ethnic minority groups and people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and can therefore cause a widening gaps along the lines of class and race. The lockdown has caused a lot of people to work from home and whilst that imposes challenges to a lot of us, the transition from face-to-face -face work to a digital or remote working uh, for people like you and me uh, who have working experience 
the whole experience would be more difficult for younger people who have very little or no work experience. And now they're expected to navigate a workplace for the first time and to do so remotely, I think is a real um, challenge to many of them. And to address uh, this challenge, uh, the D Digital Talent Programme has recently announced new projects that would deliver 200 virtual work placements for eligible young Londoners. So the projects will aim to minimize the gender, ethnic and broader diversity gaps in the digital and tech occupations. It will promote new opportunities to young women and people from minority groups, um, such as young Londoners from BAME backgrounds and also those who are in the LGBTQ plus communities. And what we've also observed uh, happening outside of the program is the increased investment in traineeships and apprenticeships. Uh, for example, the London Progression Collaboration, um, they support employers with unspent apprenticeship levy to commit some of it to support the recovery of small businesses. And also, we talked about uh, Singapore um, earlier, they're also investing very heavily on traineeships for first-time job seekers as well as mid-career professionals. And I think the continued investment in these areas are really key to reduce um, unemployment and to enable people to keep uh, learning, keep working and contributing to the economy. What I'd love to try and do is just understand if we were to bring it down a level, because it's you look at, you read the statistics, you see the initiatives, there's a lot of work clearly and thinking clearly gone on here. I'm just wondering, how do you engage with the target audience? It can be hard to reach the young people that you're talking about sometimes. So how do you, in central government, go about doing that? So we work with um, providers to, del to deliver the program. Um, so the Mayor's Digital Talent Programme, for example, is a £7 million investment and we deliver training and employment support through providers and a lot of our providers are sort of grassroots uh, organisations or charities who have been uh, chosen to deliver the programme based on their strong networks uh, with young people. And we also assessed um, their outreach and uh, marketing uh, proposals to pick the, the ones that are really strong in reaching out to young people. I like that last part you said, their marketing um, strategies, because I, I know from previous experience working in the third sector and running a youth organization, um, really engaging and reaching out to, to hard to reach, as we would call them, young people, mm. is it, it's a challenge and, and often the sector doesn't have the skill sets around marketing. So it's really interesting to see that coming into the, the tendering process. So that, that's really refreshing to hear. So thank you. Can you tell us about how employability and skills might shape our cities moving forward? There is a very popular um, estimation. I think it comes from WEF um, that 85% of the jobs that will exist um, in 2030 have not been invented yet. So this is a big challenge. How can we prepare our children and the workforce for the roles that we don't even know what, what shape or form they might come in? And when we speak to training providers and educators um, and industry stakeholders, one thing is really clear. Tech skills uh, move at a really fast uh, pace. You know, your knowledge and skills in a particular software might be outdated in six months time. 
However, soft skills such as communication, creativity, critical thinking, collaboration, human empathy, that would really ensure that somebody is well-placed to adapt and to deal with changes. And with COVID-19, we've seen changes, unprecedented changes, and there is no playbook to teach you how to deal with uh, this sort of situation. And definitely having a resilient um, attitude would, would place you really well uh, to deal with um, situations like that. I mean, the pandemic has brought about so much uh, disruptions to the economy and the business and people's lives. It has exacerbated uh, systemic inequalities, social economic inequalities in society, and issues like digital exclusion um, has now been at forefront of many discussions. And continuing to place importance and recognition on soft skills alongside technical skills and academic achievements can perhaps provide us with some of the opportunity to create a more level playing field. For example, some kids may not be very academically inclined, you know, due to multiple factors, but he or she might be really good in soft skill side of things, you know, in time management, creativity, resourcefulness, uh, leadership skills in, in very non-academic ways. However, these kind of skills are not being assessed or graded uh, in an academic setting, and therefore they might lose out on some of these progression opportunities later on in life. We've also seen evidence where there's been a really big gap in the um, LGBT pay grades, and that's being linked to their experience in school. So it's really important that we look at the system in a very cohesive way. I think soft skills and um, education and training is just one part of the whole equation. And what we're really trying to work with companies and employers is to help them to rethink the way they recruit uh, shift their assessment methods from paper or qualification-based to strengths and skills-based um, assessment. And in the tech startup scene, um, there's a lot of work uh, that's currently being done to ensure diversity. And only when that's achieved will we see more diversity in the kinds of innovation, the kinds of businesses that emerge uh, uh, from that. And linking this podcast back to you know future cities and placemaking and urban planning, um, I'd like to borrow a quote uh, from Winston Churchill, um, who famously said, we shape our buildings, thereafter they shape us. And I think there is a strong parallel here to be drawn with education and training. The way we educate our younger generation shapes the kind of future society we're going to live in. And if we want our future cities to be inclusive, we've got to create an inclusive society for our younger generation. Because a smart city is not just a digital city, it's a city that is inclusive and sustainable. It is a city that works for everyone. Thank you for that quote and for really talking again to the challenges of companies and especially tech companies in our city. So quite recently, the University and Arts Council had a drive to rebrand soft academic subjects. They referenced the SHAPE campaign and it was led by the LSC. The idea was to encourage more young people to choose the arts, humanities and social sciences. Are you able to give us your insight into SHAPE as opposed to STEM subjects? I think uh, coming from a humanities background, uh, being schooled in arts and social science, uh, I am of course naturally biased. Uh, so my majors in uh, my bachelor's studies was English uh, language and theatre studies. And I think what I really appreciated in my training was the critical thinking, 
constant writing, research, um, analysis, debating, writing essays after essays on a wide variety of subject areas. And previously, I worked in the University of the Arts London uh, for a number of years, uh, where I supported creative practitioners um, on their careers. And I was always, always impressed uh, by the people who are trained in the arts and social science, because they tend to read very widely on different subjects and not just in the arts. They're very interested in science, in politics, in history, and so on. And I think they are excellent synthesizers. And I think this is so important because in an increasingly digital world, especially one where fake news proliferates, I see an ever more important role for the arts to offer a different and possibly more human experience. And I think that the SHAPE campaign is very, very timely, given the speed of digitization in our everyday lives, um, as artificial intelligence and automation become increasingly central again, uh, across the economy. People with skills that cannot easily uh, be automated will become more and more important. And this includes areas like um, creativity, human um, empathy, emotional intelligence, and so on. And recently, uh, London First and Lloyd's Banking Group published a report citing that building transferable soft skills, such as confidence, communication, and teamwork, was more important than ever. And they also urged a government to focus on soft skills. So perhaps it is uh, time for soft skills to be sort of rebranded. Uh, and I think the SHIP campaign is excellent. But I think what we need to be careful is not to um, think of shape versus STEM. I think uh, both um, so-called soft and hard skills are really important. Uh, this, are, this is not one or another, but we need to continue to support development of skills in a very holistic way and to embed um, digital in traditionally non-digital subjects. For example, how we equip social scientists with data analytic skills, um, information design, how we upskill educators so that they can deliver remote uh, learning more effectively, how do they embed digital in their delivery, um, and how we can enable care workers or health workers with digital technology so that they can improve their services and so on. I really love your last point there around, you know, it shouldn't be shape versus STEM, that we get the best when we have nurses that are able to utilize the latest in digital technology, as you've just said, and, 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 you know, and there are lots of other examples around that. I wanted to step back from education and ask you about the other factors we must consider when we're ensuring people from a wide range of socioeconomic backgrounds and diversities are able to access the skills which will power our cities moving into the future. So would you be able to give us a little bit of, of your view on that? Yeah, I think creating equity and accessibility to opportunities is really important uh, because even if we believe that talent is widely distributed, um, opportunities certainly are not. And when we, we can consider uh, different models of education and delivery, um, if we acknowledge that different people have different needs and can excel in different environments, there is no one size fits all education model but perhaps the use of technology or ad tech uh, can help us to narrow down some of these gaps. Also, we should promote uh, diverse routes into entry or in, into employment and recognize that transferable and soft skills so that we can widen access to these sort of opportunities. 
From my experience working on the digital talent program, I would also say that working closely with employers is fundamental in ensuring a cohesive talent pipeline and getting employees to value diversity and inclusion and work with them to help them to demonstrate that in their training, recruitment and retention strategies. And linking it back to my experience uh, working in the Design Council, where we promote uh, design as, a, as, a, as an approach towards innovation. I think definitely we need to be more user-centered. Um, in my current work, uh, I would uh, promote working more with community and grassroots groups because they are closer to the user groups and it would, be, it would be beneficial to include them as well as our users in the way we design our policy and program. Um, I've also been reading a lot about participatory uh, policy and grant making. I think there is an opportunity for us to do so, um, especially in the so-called post-COVID or new normal world. And I think last but not least, uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier in terms of how we um, deliver our outreach programs. I think the use of language is really important. Uh, for example, when we say things like less privileged, hard to reach or disadvantaged. And uh, I think it is common to kind of use that on certain communities. Uh, but it, we need to recognize that it can have a very dispowering effect on them. Um, and I think having a, an alternative a more positive narrative is really essential. It's also about how we tell a positive story. And this can also be achieved by having more diverse and positive role models because you can't be what you can't see. And I think COVID-19 really presents uh, an opportunity for us to leapfrog into a more equitable and inclusive uh, future. And the smart city strategy needs to ensure that humans are placed before technology and that technology is the driver and not the divider language and how it's used is something that we can improve on and especially as as a marketer myself from the private sector um, it's something that we need to focus on and there's a real opportunity to help third sector public sector really navigate this we have world-class strategies for doing this for big corporations and we need to bring that thinking and into the public and the third sector so You've given us a ton to think about. Um, it's great to see the work that you're doing and how you're thinking around equipping our future workforce and making sure that we're resilient and that the city can thrive through the opportunities and that we can seize. And so I really wanna thank you for coming on the show. I think education is fundamental to the city and you've proved that today. So thank you, Patreon, for coming on the show. Thank you for your time, Andre. Thank you for listening to the Building Future Cities podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to subscribe and check out our upcoming interviews with creative leaders building future cities. Speak soon.